Hey, boomers! Welcome to your poorly podcast. I've got a thing going on in my throat today. This is your fortnightly guide to the online sensational Sega world of the online Sega 90s, and it's the UK's official Sonic the Hedgehog Sega comic to Sonic. With huge to take those words, <laughs> you juggle them up a bit, you get how you, 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 you know what's going Welcome to Sonic the Comic the Podcast, your fortnightly online guide to the Sega Station World 1990s and the UK's special Sega comic. We are the humans who think we're in charge. I am Dave Bulmer Blair. <laughs> I'm Chris McFeely Blair. We're here with issue number 85 of Sonic the Comic, cover dated August 30th, but released August the 21st. Ooh, summer creeping to the end yeah, now. Yeah, right. This will be the last issue of summer, essentially. Oh, maybe. Well, and we were called this facing down the heat wave it hasn't quite happened yet we've got the windows open because it is flipping hot and i have got a flipping cold that i hope i'm over by the time it all comes in and gets me those are the two worst things to have I at the know, same exactly time. now we're well, lucky it's not the kind of cold that's making me warmer as far as i can tell i'm glad it's not corona i don't have coronavirus but i have a bad cold it will sound like i have a bad cold this episode i apologize listeners i mean it probably won't because it never does no come on no 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 i mean this i mean this now listen to my gravelly listen to me now Ooh, my gravelly voice listen to my <laughs> gravelly voice it's me dave bulmer yes <laughs> so gravelly <laughs> Is that, your, is that your me impression? No, I'm not going to workshop it live on the show, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work on it on private and <laughs> yeah, I'll drop okay. it on you suddenly when you're not expecting it. I probably won't. Hey, I probably won't hey, recognize it. Hey, We've got a cover here, which is Sonic, Tails and Amy. In a roller coaster. That's a summer thing that you do. It's a summer thing you summer do. Thing yes, you do. The, 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 the comic is clinging to mm. summer for if it's not over yet. Because your first summer issue, you have to put them on the beach, you've got to put sandcastles. Once you've done that, then what do you mm. do? Roller coaster. I wouldn't have thought of this at all. As demonstrated no, no. by the fact that I'm about to have a summer comic released in the next issue of Monster Fun. And they're all on the beach and it's all sandcastles. Never thought of roller coasters. It's kind of like a, a beachside activity, you perfect know, one. amusements. Mm, absolutely perfect. I was, well, do you know, we've just been on roller coasters. When, uh, when we went away on holiday for a week the other day, we went on Alton Towers. We went on Alton Towers. <laughs> Me and Abby and my brother went on Alton Towers just the other week. It was great. I recommend doing that in your summer. I've never been. Well, you got to do it. Get over here. Probably should. Oh, get over here. We'll go to Alton Towers. Alton Towers, yeah. Yeah, we're doing it. Um, that is because it says, welcome to the Pleasure Zone. The Pleasure Zone. I know. I don't know about printing that on the front cover of a kid's mag, but whatever. Welcome to the Pleasure Zone. Sonic Stories, Scream Theme Park. Do you think they even... Do you think they had a clue? Because you, you're just hmm. used to calling anything in this comic a zone. Yeah. So you could very easily hmm. do it reflexively. Yeah. And around this time, they were making Sonic 3D, which does have the erogenous zone is one of the levels in that. <laughs> Egrogenous zone. <laughs> like a bird's erogenous zone. Oh, no. Yeah, Sonic Stories, Scream Theme Park and Heroes and Villains, mm. plus a new Tales story, Trooper Trouble and Knuckles in Village of the Damned. You know famous song called Heroes and Villains by the Beach Boys. Obviously not the origin of the phrase Heroes and Villains, but one of the cultural tentpoles that I think that uh, Boomer's writing, you know, Boomer's the generation. Mm. Writing. You can't use that word. No, like you can't. No, no. Grown-ups. Yeah, Grown-ups writing Grown -ups. copy in 1996 will have will have had that somewhere in mind when they write the phrase Heroes and Villains. And, um, and I heard it for the first time 
this very summer. Interesting, isn't it? Sort of in a we're way. This very summer in 2022. No, or this very summer the in summer 1996. Of 1996. You gotta, you gotta clarify. It could even have been 1995. <laughs> I don't quite. I'm not fully compass mentioned today. I've got this cold. Sorry, everybody. This is the this is the level you expect from me today. <laughs> um, Sonic One Q Zone reviews Summer Olympic Games are good and Baku mm. Baku and a and Graphic Zone clowns around. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Just doing my me impression there. <laughs> my name is Dave Bulmer. <laughs> well, that's what I sound like today. <laughs> Control Zone. An odd start, I thought. Yes. The summer bank holidays coming up, which means an extra opportunity to pester parent humes. Uh-huh. But you're off school already anyway. Yeah. So here's the thing. I checked the diary. There's not really any diary zone to be had this episode. But what did happen in this two weeks is that I started school and stopped school again for a bank holiday. For the bank holiday. Yeah, yeah well, we, we thought last issue it was odd that you were starting mm. school in the middle of... Because, yeah, this was mm. the odd thing this year, wasn't it? You started your summer holidays at the start of June, mm-hmm. but then you went back to school in the middle of August instead of starting them in the middle of July and going back to school at the start of September, right? Me, we were off from the start of July to the end of August. Two months. Right. Straightforward. Oh. So you still only had the six weeks versus my eight. Oh, well, I'm retrospectively cross about that. Right, rightly so. Going back to school in the middle of August when it uh, is still legally the summer, my lord. Yes, that is weird. That is weird, isn't it? I don't know what that's all about. I mean, it's nice to have some summer memories at school, of course. You don't want it to all be gloomy, but... Uh. That is strange. You make your summer memories in school in June, whenever it's all coloured by the thrill of knowing you're about to get off school. Oh, yeah. There's nothing good about making summer memories in school when it's the start of a brand new year, when you know the infinite stretches out before you. <laughs> uh, I t- yeah. Infinite school, that is. Well, I don't know what to say about that, but yeah, that's, that's I guess, just the way that, that we used to do it. It is a bit odd, isn't it? But, of course, the downside in your case is that you... This bank holiday means nothing to you. It just breezes Absolutely over Absolutely nothing. Well, there you go. That's exactly what I was saying. It was an odd opening to me, but mm. to you it made sense. because It you was started, an actual well, thing, yeah. Yeah, but in a way it makes even less sense because you started school and then we're turned around and we're right back off Straight out again, out the door. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a nice little, I suppose it's like a teaser, isn't it? It's like a cold open for the new year. <laughs> <laughs> a soft open. Yeah, you have a week or so, a week and a half of school, and then you're off for, and it's only four days, you know, but still. Is that a smart day, cool day, Saturday, Sunday type of thing? <laughs> Do you know what? It wasn't. I didn't bother with that in the diary this time, so I'm guessing. It, yeah, I'm, I'm just too old. I'm too old for that sort of childishness. Too grown up and sensible for smart day and cool day. Yeah. What's this? Sonic in a police cell? Find out what the L O L O is going on in Heroes and Villains. Oh, do you see? They almost said a Rudy. Like it's nearly a Rudy. That the rest of it is just Megadroid saying what's in the comic, but yeah, but that's a good joke. Describes the rest of the contents. Still can't think of anything to do for the bank hall? Then get your teeth into another chew it comp. Oh. They didn't forewarn us that was coming, no. did they? Not, <laughs> no, we haven't had time to prepare. That's not on the cover. No, they didn't <laughs> mention it last issue. We knew there had to be something else coming with chew after the recent issue. The first mm. part of the chew competition. Oh, did they say explicitly that that was the first part of a competition? Yeah, oh. they called it like there, there would be more in the great chew giveaway. Oh, yeah. But it's still just, they're still not giving me any bloody sweets. It's a t-shirt or a hat. Hey, I wouldn't call it a great giveaway no you can have a hat right boomers it's time to temporarily switch off my memory circuit i mean what could be more relaxing than having no recollection of the humes who think they're in charge bleak now that's what i call a 
memory bank holiday. Hey. Oh. oh my god. For the only other thing in the control <laughs> zone is the results of the baseball jacket winner combo from uh doesn't say. From it, a while no, it back. doesn't say. It feels like ages ago, but that's because it looks so old. Well, this is the Sonic 2 bomber jacket. The one that I said then and will say now. Love to have this now. Love to have it then. Don't know why I didn't enter this. But, yep, congratulations to everyone who got those. Write in if you were one of them. No friends of the show this issue, sadly. Unlike, no. was it the last issue mm. where everybody that was in the comic <laughs> was just somebody we know? Yeah. Total Football is in at number seven on the Mega Drive chart. And consulting the old encyclopedia here, there's just some interesting historical factoids. Okay. Uh, originally due to be both published and developed by Domark of Marco's Magic Football, right? Yes. The publishing duties for Total Football were taken over by Acclaim when Domark started having financial trouble. Oh. The game didn't seem likely to reverse its fortunes anyway. Utilizing a familiar isometric viewpoint, the game looked and sounded extremely similar to EA. FIFA games. Crucially, though, it didn't play like FIFA, which is why it's generally forgotten these days. It wasn't terrible, mind you, it just didn't offer anything unique. As for Domark, it was bought out later that year and became part of a new studio called Eidos Interactive, um, who went on to publish Tomb Raider. Yes. Uh, there was a totally different version of the game supposed to be developed for uh, Snares by John Rittman, the legendary programmer behind the computer football game Match Day, but that version was scrapped. <laughs> oh, it's a shame that you can't see how dramatically he closed the book then. <laughs> also, something called Guardian Heroes in at number one on the Saturn chart. Whatever that is, never heard of it. Heroes and Villains Part 2 Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson and letters by Ellie DeVille Sonic is bailed out of jail by a criminal aristocrat named Lord Sidewinder and brought to his estate to meet his associates It turns out Sidewinder is in cahoots with Super Sonic who has promised to join Sidewinder's gang if he delivers Sonic to him but, of course, Supersonic is lying and promptly turns on everyone, intending to destroy them all. So, mm. all of our conversation about the first part of this three-part story, mm -hmm. last issue, was about how it seemed like it had something to say. Essentially about how long underwear characters beating up and posturing about whether they are good or evil, heroes or villains, doesn't really solve anything and the real enemy is, in fact, institutional fascism. And then this issue just doesn't... It vaguely gestured in the notion of that being a theme. Uh -huh. And this issue does not contain any of that whatsoever. No, this is far more concerned with, eh, frankly, the sort of thing that I was interested in at the time, which is, what's going on with Supersonic? <laughs> yes, and I, I find myself more engaged by this strip. Mm. Like, I wound up enjoying talking about Last Issue Strip quite a lot, mm. more than I did reading it, I think. But this one pulls back on all the stuff that, to me, is emblematic of the sort of spiral that the comic's going to sink into for the next little bit, and just does some Sonic stuff instead. Yeah, it basically, last time, Sonic found himself stumbling into a superhero strip, and in this, superheroes are stumbling into what is ultimately a Sonic strip. Sonic versus Supersonic. Cool. And there are some other guys there who have different powers. Cool. I think this is why, since we've been covering this, I've been forced to, and I did some of this last issue, like really examine what was it about this that didn't make me think, I'm reading about superheroes now. And and I guess here, you know, I, I got further insight into it, which is that like, 
I just see these people as people with a power or a magic ability, which is like what I thought a fictitious character ought to have. And that didn't strike me as something to do with superheroes. So Sonic is fast. Well, these characters don't inherently read as canned supervillain archetypes uh-huh. the way the characters who appeared in the first story did who were clearly yeah. you know the justice league and the injustice gang yeah, yeah. squaring off in the middle of town then running away when the police came yeah like naughty boys <laughs> but they each have a thing about them and so we've mm-hmm. got a uh well should we go through them have we introduced these well yeah we didn't have, yeah so lord sidewinder is this Grey, pig-nosed Grimer. Yeah, he's, yeah. And his associates are Lightmare, Mr. Fry, and Biohazard, his gang. Mr. Fry is the easiest one to describe mm-hmm. because he is Dr. Jekyll. Yeah. His power is that he takes a potion, turns into Mr. Hyde, who... Do they say what the Mr. Hyde is called in this? No, they don't give him a name here. Uh, Did he get a different name? I feel like he gets one, but I can't. I couldn't tell you what it is. Mm. Just call him Mr. Fry here. Yeah. It's like, is there a joke in it? Is he Mr. Fry and Dr. Laurie or something? I don't know. (laughs) So that's his thing. Mm -hmm. Biohazard is a a squat tank guy. He's probably all machine Mm. and he just clanks along and there's oil glooping out of him. Yes, he's constantly oozing, pumping smoke smoke and and oozing and leaving a dirty, smoky, oily trail everywhere he goes. Fantastic design from Richard Elson here. Oh yeah, across the board. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant colours as well. He's great. I I must say, I thought he was bigger than he appears to be. He, he's mm. quite small for what he is. And then Lightmare. This is the one that strikes me as like, oh, there's a space missing in my superhero knowledge to know what this is a reference to. Well, they've got mystic vibes. They don't get to do anything in this story, so we don't see what the power set is. But mm, um, mm. it's a, it's a character in, in a full body robe, so the, the gender is indeterminate. Um, but they've got hands covered in rings and they've got like a chain around their neck with a moon on it. And a chain round their wrist with a key. Well, what one wrist has a chain with a padlock round it, and oh, the other yes. has a chain with a key on it. That's interesting. And that's not a reference to an archetype of. Oh, I don't think so. No, it just seems like. Uh, I mean, it's probably something you wouldn't do today. A moon symbol like that has connotations. Yeah, there is something of the you know air quotes the mystical far east in the character's yeah. design a, a little bit. You know, there are tropes at work here, but we don't see Lightmare get to do anything power wise. Lightmare, Biohazard, and Mr. Fry. And Lord Sidewinder's their boss, and he's introduced as a Kingpin-style figure who everybody knows is a right badden, but nobody can prove it, and he's got money and an estate, and he gets to walk around free, even though everybody absolutely knows that he's a crim. (laughs) There was no evidence to link me to that nuclear bomb lieutenant, as well you know. (laughs) That nuclear bomb. Yeah. It's a little embarrassment that he got involved in. Yeah, like, where did that happen? (laughs) Maybe it didn't go off. Maybe somebody just found one. Yeah. That's the police lieutenant, by the way, who is a bulldog, not a pig, piggy, pig, 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 like all the cops from the previous issue. Uh, And his name is Lieutenant Furor. Yeah, of course the chief has got to be a bulldog if you're in an animal world. I don't know why. Oh, yeah, but it's the law. Yeah. The man in charge is is a bulldog, yeah. I like Sidewinder's shoes. And I don't know why I got so zoomed in on him, but he's wearing Sonic character style shoesies. <laughs> Unlike everybody else, he's got, it looks like he's got the Velcro straps on because he's old, oh, you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. And what a good example of, because what with Sonic Tails, Knuckles, Chaotix, we've got several examples of the general style of a Sonic character's shoe, but they're all different. Mm. And uh, Richard Elson's, yeah, 
added to that very well, I think. That fits in that kind of design aesthetic perfectly well. I just like that it, it does look like he's old, so he just goes with the Velcro straps so he doesn't have to do a lot of bending over to tie his yes. shoes. Because oh. he goes around in a in a velvet purple robe, like a stained terry cloth bathrobe. Um, <laughs> he goes. That's how he goes out to the police station, and how he walks around his own home. <laughs> and he, the name Sidewinder would make you think he's a snake, but he's not. As I say, he's some kind of grey person, vaguely reptilian, but with a pig nose. Mm. But he does seem to have a pet snake, because you see on page one, there's a snake coiled around his cane, his yes. walking stick. But then when they're in his estate, it's moved up and it's coiled around his arm. Yeah, we didn't see that. Yeah, I've only just noticed it now. Oh, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Well, that's. I was actively looking for snakes this time because now I know that that's that Sidewinder it means a kind of snake. Um, mm. So I'm looking for snake stuff. And that was the only reason I spotted it on his staff in the first place. Although, looking in his house, he's got a big cobra thing near the door that Supersonic yep. comes in. I think I don't think it's alive. I think that's a stone one, maybe. Looks like a statue, yeah. A decorative one. Um, oh, oh! Look in the panel where Supersonic appears through the door. No, mm-hmm. sorry, not that one. The wide panel underneath it. The, mm-hmm. the one with the stone snake. Look all the way on the left. There's a surprised spider with big bugging eyes, surprised to see Supersonic. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at him there. There's something about the way they've done this with Supersonic that seems weird to me, though. Okay. Where he just comes through a door and it's like, so at last we meet, yes. Supersonic, and it's like it's almost it's written as if we were taking it as read that he existed as a separate being already. I know and exactly. It was, so, it was established yes. to us at the end of Running Wild that that was possible. Yeah. But from the start of this story, Sonic's gone and is like, right, he definitely yeah. is, and he's an old baddie, and I fought him before. Is yeah. the whole vibe of the thing? Like it's like it's two old baddies meeting. It's bat- like meeting. it's like when the master turns up in Doctor Who or something. He just steps through a door archly, rather than last time yeah. we saw this guy. He would never step through a door. <laughs> yeah, he was waiting back there specifically yeah. to step out at the most dramatic moment. Yeah. Though, to be fair, he is putting on the whole... I mean, that's the great thing. At last we meet, Supersonic and I have come to a, a little arrangement. I'll do that for Lord Sidewinder, a kind of a, yeah, s- cool. a serpentine voice. Yeah. Well, are you crazy? Don't you understand? You can't make deals with this, this creature <laughs> nonsense. In return for my delivering you to Supersonic, he has agreed to join my group. With his help soon, I will rule the whole of Planet Meridian. The only thing he knows how to do is destroy. You can't trust this monster. And then Supersonic just says, Sonic's quite right, of course. What? But you said... And his whole house explodes. <laughs> Suddenly cuts to outside, long shot panel, mirroring the introductory panel of the estate from the previous page, and the whole house just explodes. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, I do wonder, now that I've just uh, said that, the thought suddenly crystallizes, again, is this part of some kind of commentary where superhero, supervillain, internecine, plotting, Machiavellian, back and forth. Oh, oh, you'll, yeah. oh, you'll be part of my team to rule this, to rule that. Yeah. And the Sonics are just like, nah, mate. Yeah. <laughs> None of this nonsense. Yeah, you could be right there. Because everything is done in every picture on that page and the previous page to establish Lord Sidewinder's house as this ancient mansion that has stood for generations and will stand forever. And then Supersonic just thinks, and it's gone. <laughs> Boom. Gone, yeah. 
But I do think I might be reading into it. Maybe. I'm desperate for that to have meant something so that it's all worth something in the end. Well, I'll tell you what this what this means to me is that we've got Lord Sidewinder, we've got the fact that it, their world is being constantly disrupted by this Sonic stuff. Were it not for Supersonic, Lord Sidewinder's mansion would still stand. The, these people, this team that exists here that have been there for a long time, you've got the Chaotics who are in their base in magic space, they've got their Omniviewer. It all feels as if we are being given a glimpse into a sort of... You know, it's like when you try and read an old Jack Kirby comic for the first time by by looking at issue 43 of it or something. It's just... It's a glimpse into this odd other thing. And what it does to me is it strikes me as odd that given all of this setup, I don't remember Chaotix strips being more of a thing in STC. Like, we've established that their setting is full of all of these wild, super-powered characters that the Chaotics are a sort of like a Sonic-flavoured antidote to. Do you know what I mean? They mm. can they can play the Sonic role in that setup. They're like, yeah, well, here's all these superheroes, but we're Chaotics, we can go in and rumble. They've got the Omni-Viewer. It's a bit undefined what their setup is, but it's a solid base for a whole series, I think. And yeah. Like, imagine if we could have seven pages of Sonic and then a little bit of Tails, Knuckles, whatever, and then at the end of the comic, you get this weird five-pager, or maybe even seven-pager, which is the Chaotics in this weird world. I really think Nigel and Richard could have built something really interesting out of that in that way that when you do it in Sonic just feels like a bit of an intrusion. You, you know, you've reacted to it as if it's like... You didn't want it to be there. It's all just a bit too archy, isn't it? <laughs> no, you just want to give Ken Penders a couple of pages at the back of the Sonic story to do his knuckle shit. I certainly do not. <laughs> <laughs> but I, not having thought of it in those terms, I just thought this was all really cool and like I was being shown into a new no, thing. No, this, this chapter is good, I think. Yeah. I enjoyed this one as much as anything else. You know. Mm -hmm. So then Mr. Fry mixes up his potion. Mm. Everyone has survived because Supersonic has protected them with an energy shield from the explosion. Because he wants to kill them properly. He wants properly. to kill them one by one, yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Fry just needs a jiffy to mix his potion. We'll just be seeing about that, matey. I just need a jiffy to mix my potion. <laughs> right, you blamming blighter! Now we'll flipping well see who destroys who! And that, that's it for me. That'll do me all rightly. A bit of the old accent-based humour? Yes, please, and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he ha does he have... He has two eyes in his regular form. Yes. But then whenever he turns into the big form, we don't have a name for it. Maybe he's Mr. Fry, and the civilian identity has a different name. We'll see, I guess. Maybe... I'm pretty sure I've remembered now, and it's very silly. We'll see. But he's he swells up. He's all hair and tusks. But one of his eyes turns uh, black with a red pupil. Yeah. As opposed to the other one, which is yellow. They're, he's all goggly, different colours eyes. <laughs> and they're different shapes as well. Unless that's just an embellishment of that one drawing. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know, because Supersonic mm. immediately blasts <laughs> him in the next panel, and that's it. That's brilliant. That's the, We should have gone further, because, yeah, it's like, Right, then, you plumbing brighter. Now we'll flip you well to you, destroy you. And Supersonic <laughs> just looks at him, and he just gets blasted back, and that's the end of him. But what he says is, Don't be ridiculous. Again... <laughs> Could it be part of uh, some yeah, commentary? Yeah, okay, I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, there's two things it could be, right? And it could be that. It could be uh, that Nigel is doing a big commentary about what he thinks for superhero comics. But what it could be is a, a much simpler than that. Is like, you know all those superheroes? Never mind that. Sonic's better than that, kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is your thing, kids. Or it's just Supersonic thinks that 
he's ridiculous. <laughs> well, yes. And it's what, and it's just literally, it's just what's on the page, and there's nothing more to it than that. But do you know what I mean? A bit like how we've earlier had, like, here are some plumbers, but Sonic's better than that, kid. Do you know what I mean? It's like mm. another thing, and then Sonic stuff defeats that stuff. That, that was a fairly usual trope back then. Supersonic and Sonic trade blows a bit until Biohazard comes staggering in. Mm. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You don't scare us none, you frink. And then Supersonic frink. goes, Language. <laughs> you frink. <laughs> you frink. <laughs> and uh, yeah, then Supersonic literally just one-handed flings Biohazard <laughs> just, over his do, shoulder. Yeah. Biohazard's <laughs> running towards him and Supersonic doesn't even do any Supersonic stuff. He just holds his hand out, waits, and just, <laughs> just like moves him. He just throws him around behind him. I was part of you for years, Sonic. You turned into me in your worst moments. But now, I exist as a separate entity. Now, I aim to destroy, starting with you. Next issue, only one will survive. There can be only one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Supersonic's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Supersonic rules, and this is this. So this, yeah, this is the first time we've really been able to get our teeth into Supersonic as a separate entity. Here he is. He's he is acting differently than he did inside Sonic. Like I don't know, I don't think that's going to be the case moving forward. But when Sonic was Supersonic, as it were, that was a, or at least in Running Wild, that was a flying character. That was mm. a force of nature, fire in the sky kind of thing. Here. He's a standing still sort of character. Um, and it's less exciting, but because of the setting, it's just as exciting. Because of what's going on and the fact that he's been separated from Sonic. Um, but I'll be interested to keep an eye on like what he actually does, what stuff he can do moving forward. Because at the moment, he's just sort of sitting there taking hits and giving out hits rather than... Oh, there's one bit where he... He zaps Sonic with his laser eyes, mm-hmm. which is a bit supersonic-y. Yeah. But, but the thing where he blows up the house, like, he can do that stuff. Well, you know, I mean, what what it is, really, when you think about it, is now that he is no longer just an impulse mm-hmm. acting itself out, he really is an evil Sonic. He yeah. sasses yeah. his body's yeah. language, you know, he's, he... he <laughs> is pointlessly dramatic for the sake of creating a cool moment uh-huh. and he shows off in feats of explosive power just for the sake of doing it you know mm. i want the i want to destroy you all one by one like he could have just blown them all up in one big boom but he wants to kill them all one by one because that's the kind of show it, it's sonic twisted it's not just sonic running wild it's 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 a literal like dark mirror of sonic it's all of sonic's worst impulses turned to the dark side mm. Cool. And the thing is, the thing is, right, uh-huh. there isn't a ton... Like, I love an evil twin character type story as much mm-hmm. as anything else, but there isn't a ton of mileage in that. You could only do the, oh, you're not so alike, you and I thing, selectively and rarely to allow it to keep having uh, impact. Mm. So we know from the next issue page at the end of the issue that the next issue is the final part of this three-part heroes and villains story. So, uh... It remains to be seen what the comic chooses to do with Supersonic going forward. You can only do this for so long. Now, Dave and I well remember, but we're keeping it stone for you. <laughs> no spoilers. Olympic Summer Games. I am asleep already. Mm-hmm. So, what we're looking at here... Would appear to be a track and field. Yeah. But done 
at an isometric angle. Ooh, the worst angle. As used in FIFA soccer, it says here. What we are looking at here, Chris, is the start of something ugly. <coughs> this is an unworthy 16-bit D-Master of a PlayStation game. Oh, really? Goodness. Well, it's a, you know, PlayStation 3DO, supposed to be on the Saturn, mm. but I don't think they ever released that one. And that game is fully 3D, with camera angles that, like, mimic TV coverage of the events. So, for example, we've got a screenshot here of the sprint, and it's just some standard guys sprinting along. Yeah. In the, quote-unquote, real game, in the PlayStation game, it's quite a revolutionary depiction of a, of a sprint. You've got the camera that's actually traveling backwards, watching the runners sprint kind of towards it, at a similar angle to this, but towards the camera, and then halfway down the track, it swings round to watch them run from behind, so it's dynamic, it's always swinging around everywhere for all of the different events, and you are and you can do that in this kind of game, because you're mostly just pressing two buttons to power up, like in track and field. Yeah, yeah, what does he say here? It may prove difficult for younger players to win some of the events, because strong fingers are required to press A and B alternatively yeah. at a rapid and consistent speed. I was always rubbish at that. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit bad at them. So, the, yeah, this version on the Mega Drive and on the SNES, which looks about the same, it looks like... Do you remember when they would bring out a version of a PlayStation 2 game on the Game Boy Color? <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> it's trash. And it's a bad one of that. Like, there's no... So there's no sound effects. But mm. there's this constant music that just keeps rolling. So when I was looking at it on YouTube, I spent most of the video thinking I was just watching like the title screen attract mode demo bit. But no, that's what the game goes like. And it's just, a, it, it is, the reason I said it's the start of something ugly. This is like a rubber stamp saying Mega Drive is last gen. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. dumping stuff onto it. They're going like, well, I guess we should bring out a Mega Drive version of this. Here you go, that'll do. And it won't. It won't do. Gibbon does single out, doesn't he, the lack of sound effects. The music mm. remains similar throughout, and the sound effects are virtually non-existent, which is a shame, as the atmosphere suffers without them. Yeah, certainly does. Yeah. That's grim. Though well-reviewed still here, uh, with an overall of 87, which seems to not map on to its uh, real-world reception, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. What about Baku Baku on the Game Gear here? Well, this looks more interesting. Uh, this is a port of an arcade game for the Game Gear, mm. but it was also brought out on the Saturn. Yes, I read this. I mean, well, I mean, first of all, a bold claim uh, from David Gibbon at the start of this review. Ever heard of Tetris, Columns, or Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine? Well, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna revisit that sentence now with some of it edited out, right? So let's do it this way. Mm -hmm. Ever heard of Tetris? Well, Sega have launched a much better puzzle game. <laughs> yes, I had Strong the same reaction. Words. The cheek of it all. <laughs> it's a block matching game where what you do is you match blocks of food with the blocks of the animal that eats that food. Yes, think of Puyo Puyo, or Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, except instead of two beans of different colours coming down, they're either a rabbit and a bone. You know, a panda... And a banana. And you are trying to make little patches of food. And then you're trying to touch the appropriate animal to those patches. So they go around eating as many blocks away as you can. It sounds like actually a really genuinely very good idea. I, I bet I'd love this. But it's the way the review frames <laughs> Tetris and Columns and Dr. Yes. Robotnik. 
even though the basic idea and look of Baku Baku is very similar to those other Columns clones. Oh, oh, I mean, we all knew what Columns was because many of us got Mega Drives that came with the uh, little three games in one cart that had Columns on it. Yes, and it was a pack-in with the Game Gear. So yes, Sega, Sega kids knew about Columns. So yeah. I understand framing it that way, but still... By the way, a little bit of trivia here. Baku Baku, that is the Japanese term for chomp chomp. So it's yes. it's just an example of om nom atapia. Yeah, om nom oh, you mother... <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm poorly, you have to be sympathetic. You have to give me a pat on the head and a biscuit. That proves your brain is working fine. <laughs> The tally box on that one, the raves are, it's a fun and addictive challenge. And the graves are, don't bother if you don't like columns. <laughs> they won't let the columns thing go. Gives it an overall of 90. I'm not a big fan of columns. I'm trying to think if I ever... Well, columns act- isn't very good. This is my impression of it. Have I ever played it, though? I'm trying to think. I couldn't swear it. But I am a fan of things like this. I think I'd really love this. I like Dr. Robotnik's meme machine. I love a bit of... Uh, do you ever play Zookeeper on the DS? No. Oh, that was a good one. That was a... Uh, it was one of these where you've got a whole screen of different animals. That's why it reminds me of it here. And you can... All you can do is swap any two blocks and you have to try and make... You have to try and match three. It's a match three yeah, game. Yeah. So, but, cr- Candy Crush. Um, yes, I think so. Except Candy Crush is like if you sucked all the soul out of Zookeeper on the DS and replaced mm. it with just high-res grossness <laughs> but you tell that to my mum <laughs> hey that i tell you what though my mum got one sniff of zookeeper and she became a ds owner straight away oh there you go you see mums love these games bit of yeah. a mum game yeah i bet mums would enjoy the gameplay of baku baku but it's hard to imagine a mum picking up that box art that they've got pictured here oh it's revolting heinous cgi monkey oh it's a monkey i didn't even think of that yeah imagine if a monkey sort of exploded outwards if, a mon- if you imagine if, like, someone who was demonstrating their newfound evil powers took a monkey, lifted them up into the air, and, like, spread out all their body parts. It's like that. It's like that bit. It's like that bit when he does it to. When. What's name the big purple man does it to his robot daughter in the Marvels? You know, it's like that. Now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> had to process that one for a minute there. <laughs> you know, the, the you bloke. Know, who, what's name? What's name who looks like purple Joss Whedon does it to Karen off Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> Knuckles. Village of the Damned, part two. Part two, yes. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dobbin, letters by Elliot Fell. I'm only doing this because it's an easier voice to control with this code. Knuckles rescues the young girl from the procession, and they hide out in a barn. But as, <laughs> but as Knuckles rests, the girl leads the villagers to him. Claiming that he is the legendary Red One whose coming to the village has been foretold, they intend to make him their new sacrifice. So this is actually just Knuckles the Echidna in The Wicker Man. Uh I was wondering if there was going to be some kind of twist to it. You know, they had all the iconography was there last issue. Uh The the Mr. Punch costume, the inn called the Green Man. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, this right down to the uh, rescues the girl from being sacrificed and then the girl just goes right back to the villagers again and then they sacrifice him instead. He Mm -hmm. he gets put in a big wicker egg. With, complete with variations in the line. You can't seriously think you can improve your crops by sacrificing me 
it's just it's just the wicker man it's literally just the is, wicker is that a line from the a variation thereof yeah. i haven't seen the wicker man since i was about 17 so i don't really remember this stuff so let me ask you a question then about the wicker man and about this well i don't I, you know I, I haven't seen the wicker man in a very, very long time either but go on fine in the first part of this, they saw him and went, he is the one, he is the one. And then they sacrificed this girl. And then, was the plan here never to sacrifice the girl, but always to get Knuckles to rescue her so she could tell them where he was? That's, yeah, I mean, if I remember it, the idea was always in the Wicker Man that they were going to sacrifice this guy, the cop who'd come to the island right. looking for the uh, girl who disappeared. But it's not too clear within the context of this strip is if that's the plan for Knuckles or not. It's a slight muddle because what it, if that is what it is... It, basically, I guess what I'm asking is... He was already asleep in a hotel room. Where they knew where he was. You could have just gone up and get him. That's yeah. it. They already had him asleep. So, I guess it depends on, is this girl in on it all along? Or has she gone back to them because she's scared or because she's a member of the village or whatever? And yes, if this was always the plan, why did they just not get him at the inn? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going, all, to, yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch The Wicker Man to educate myself on this. Yeah, I kind of finished reading this and I was like, I should rewatch The Wicker Man as research for, yeah. for this. We should do it before we record the next episode. The next episode, episode yeah. yeah. Next issue is the conclusion of this story as well. So before yeah. it's all over, we, we will watch The Wicker Man and, and yeah. see what's what there with that. <laughs> There's something I find compelling at the start of this about Knuckles acknowledging that he doesn't know what they do around here, so... If he saves her, he could be making a wally out of himself. But yeah. he'll free her, and then he'll apologise if necessary. <laughs> like but that. that's good, because also, Knuckles, having stumbled into bad situations by taking people at their uh -huh. word and, and not stopping to think things through and, and allowing yeah. the naivety of his isolated upbringing to get the better of him, now it's like he, he stops and thinks twice. Mm, yeah. Well, except, he, at no point does he stop. He, he just <laughs> thinks twice while in the course of doing it. He's just a really sound bloke, and he's thoughtful, and he does what needs doing. And I really like Nigel Kitching's Knuckles a lot. The way he fits into this slightly chaotic world where Sonic will run in... It, it really highlights how crazy everyone else is. That he's like, well, I'll, I'll sort this out. He's a problem solver, is Knuckles. Yeah, he's the brains of the operation. He's just not interested in telling anyone else's ideas. <laughs> Lovely art throughout from Dobbin again. Look at that panel there on the penultimate page where all the villagers surround Knuckles in their hideous outfits. They're on no hideous is the wrong word actually because they're all just vaguely unsettling. Yeah. The one guy in the punch outfit, the Mr. Punch outfit, the jester outfit. The man who has come here is a fool. Welcome fool. Then there's that look at that one guy there in the half black, half white comedy tragedy composite mask. Oh yeah, that's cool. Creepy as sin. And is that guy on the other side? Dressed as the moon. Oh, yeah, because there's one dressed as the sun. Oh, yeah, that is. I couldn't perceive ah. that. But, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He's wearing a moon mask, and that one guy's... Well, we saw the sun mask on the wall of the inn last issue, didn't we? In the same way as we saw the uh, the Mr. Punch outfit and the, the antlers the duck is wearing there. I suppose we did, although didn't the sun mask we saw then have way more decoration on it? It actually had a, had a face on it or something, mm. didn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, it did. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe those bits just pop out. It's just, maybe it's just iconography for... Oh, yeah, once you... Yeah, <laughs> you take pop it off, and, and then you pop it, it on, and yeah. 
I do like the joke that they put in to end it all with, just to remind you you're still reading Sonic the Comic, though, hey. where Knuckles says, This is still murder. You won't get away with this. And and the goat, who is the, the village leader, says, Yes, we will. You forget. Robotnik rules, Mobius. I suppose this goat is Christopher Lee, technically, isn't oh, he, in the Wicker Man Gundings? He doesn't care if we kill each other as long as we don't bother him. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I also uh, got a laugh out of just before that when Knuckles is saying, you people are crazy. You can't seriously think you can improve your crops. And that guy says, silence. You do not understand the old ways. When they joined this cult, like last Wednesday, according to the girl, it's oh, yeah, the old the ways. Say, uh, 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 a few months ago, all the people of the village joined this weird cult. Uh, they sacrificed to the yeah. moon goddess yeah, to guarantee a good harvest. I mean, the ways can still be old. They can be old. The, they, they just haven't practiced them since old. <laughs> oh, and look. Look at the little detail that Dobbin's drawn a crucifix necklace she's got. Like she's the, the Christian who's being sacrificed for this pagan cult. Is it really a crucifix? Because her speech bubble goes tell. over the top of it to see if it's just a regular cross or if it's an actual crucifix. Difficult yeah. to tell. The, there are, there are, it looks crucifixy in following panels, but you can only see it very far away. Yes, it could be something else. Page one looks pretty crucifixy. So, yeah, I guess she's a holdover. And also, this means they have Jesus on Mobius. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus the Christ, they call him. <laughs> uh, next issue... The burning issue. Oh, I like that. The burning issue, and it's the issue where he's going to be burned. Yeah, it's a a double reference. It's an issue issue. in which there will be burning. Brilliant bit of copy there. Well done, whoever did that. A big wicker egg. (laughs) Why is it an egg, like? Uh, Yes, no, actually, why? Is that going to be part of the story? Is this Robotnik behind this? I doubt it very much, but... Me too. But we'll see. I mean... (sighs) What what greater symbol of evil is there on Mobius than a big egg? A big egg. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> the clown around zone. Clown around The clown around zone. Oh <laughs> it's just Sonic and Co. as circus folk. Yep. Mostly clowns. Yep, yep, yep. A collection of elaborate drawings overall. There's a lot going on in the first one from uh, Ryan Medlock of Coven Surrey, some of which I can't actually pass. So what it is, Dr. Robotnik has been defeated already in Mm. this picture. He's on the floor with a white top hat on his bum. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's someone wearing a white top hat has put that on him. It would be his hat. You know, he's been knocked over and his own hat has come fluttering down to rest upon his buttocks. Of course it has. Tails is behind him as the... uh, uh, or or maybe standing on him as the ringleader. It's difficult to tell I think with. he's behind him. I think he's behind him. And Sonic is a clown. Now, is what's happening? Is Sonic dropping a football on his head? I think it's an egg. Um, um A large dinosaurian egg? Yes, but, it would have to yeah. be. Um, but that is what large comedy eggs look like. It is. In cartoons. They have big green spots on them. Yeah, so he's dropping that on Robotnik's head for whatever reason. I don't know what it's got to do with this anyway. It's not because that's not a clown thing either. Big eggs <laughs> or footballs. Well, drop. You know. You know. You can. No. You can. A clown could throw an egg on someone. He certainly could. It's the fact that the egg seems to. It does look, for all the world, like a large stone Sonic mm. has dropped on his head because it is not splitting or splattering him with with yolk or anything. It's just bonk. 
Yes. Um, Sonic is dressed as a, a, a sort of a dandy jester sort of clown. He's got a... Now, you be careful, David Bulmer, because uh-huh. there are very specific genres of clown. Oh, and dear, you don't want to go describing them wrong. Oh, <laughs> what's a Piero and what's a, a Columbine? And... Yeah, no, that's the Commedia dell'arte that you're mixing up <laughs> with the types of clown there. <laughs> oh, what do you mean then? Like, there's fire clowns, earth, earth clowns, fire clowns, water clowns. And they all and lived in clowns. harmony until one day the fire clowns attacked. <laughs> with their footballs and eggs. No, I'm joking, of course, because obviously none of the kids <laughs> are, are being precise about that. He's got elements of a hobo clown to him going on there because his one shoe is, is different colours from his... Well... It looks, it looks like it's maybe supposed to be tattered. There's a bigger toe, problem than that. Out the Sonic's toes are sticking out of his shoe. Yeah. That is an issue and a problem. I feel like that's coming up with perturbing frequency in the last <laughs> couple of issues, just how we need to remind you no, stop that. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> There's a lion in the background. It's just been cropped off. That's right, yes. Alexandra Partridge from Portsmouth has done Sonic again as, as a clown. The big baggy pants style of yes. clown with the huge waistline and the suspenders that hold them up. And he's juggling. He's got a little bowler hat with... Uh, with flowers in flower- it. Are they flowers? Yes, or they were candles so. for a minute, but they are just flowers, yeah. And he's juggling. He's juggling on the tips of his fingers, he's juggling. <laughs> yeah. David Ferguson in Edinburgh has done uh, Roll Up, Roll Up for the Greatest Comic on Earth. Uh, it's it's a standard Sonic circus picture. Ringleader Sonic, Tails Clown, Knuckles, Strongman holding up weights. Yep, full-blown Strongman, like leopard print leotard. Yeah. All perturbing, like, human proportions in all yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. this is a picture of people in a circus that have Sonic heads, is what we're looking at. Oh, but Knuckles is pink. Oh, yes! I, it just washes over me, you know? Because it's normal, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it's perfectly normal. As compared to James Day from Ilfa Chrome and Devons, drawing off to the right here mm. over Red Knuckles, again, as a clown, Sonic with his big baggy pants and suspenders and hat and flyer, squirty flyer, red nose. Oh! But he's gone absolutely hog Look. wild with the mini stampers. The mini stampers, I never noticed. Yes. They're absolutely all over everything. He's got millions of st- uh, maybe star stamps all over his shoes. He's got millions of every stamp available all over his trousers. Stars love his hats. Fantastic. Now, James Day here and Alexandra Partage, they're having opposite ends of the same problem. Because what they both want to draw, wide clown trousers held up with braces. Mm -hmm. But they're trying to draw them on characters with narrow shoulders. So so they've solved the problem in two different ways. James has drawn Knuckles' braces just reaching the normal Mario-style braces area of the trousers. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. like... The wide parts of the trousers left unsupported. It's just like a giant bull. Alexandra has gone the opposite way. She's drawn the braces in a wide space to hold the trousers up, but miles away from where Sonic's body actually is. Yeah, they're just uh, disappearing into his quills. <laughs> I suppose, yes. We, I suppose we could be supposed to take it that the, the left suspender is looped round his head spine, which is possible, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's not impossible. It would just mean he has to hold that awkward pose all day where he's looking off to the side. Jeremy Firth from Lincoln has drawn a tightrope-walking Amy. Mm-hmm. In a full dress, it gives me the impression he's looking at a particular tightrope-walker here that he's thinking of. I don't know who that would be. Cause, Perhaps. Because I feel like if I'm drawing a tightrope-walker, I wouldn't... There isn't a costume for that in my head, so I would probably just draw Amy, but tightrope-walking, you know? Like Ben Hudson has done here with Tails, um, 
who is just he's not he's not he's not wearing any clothes as is his yeah. want he's doing a tightrope walk and uh, ben has put in quite a lot of perspective here you can see the ring mm, yeah. you can see the spectators with different expressions on their faces and everything that's quite good there are shadows i feel like that like there's a ball in the in the mm. ring below him and there's a shadow on the ball and i feel like that black patch further up is meant to be tails that's shadow, tails is shadow that's... yeah and because there's like a spotlight shining past yeah. it very clever very good oh and i think that's the tails's face copied there off the cover of metal city mayhem <laughs> could be wrong but i think it is <laughs> could be i mean i mean generally speaking that's definitely a referenced tales yeah like do you see he's re- he's really tried do you see like how on the legs you can see the ruffles of fur yeah in the line of the leg let me actually yeah let me look up that whole picture and see if that's a full copy of that yeah kind kind of and kind of not Ben's made it his own. Well done. And I absolutely adore the last <laughs> one here. Sam Willick from Chesterfield in Derbyshire has done... Well, it's probably the least inherently circusy one, but it's a sort of... A sort of a clownish Robotnik with springs in his shoes and he's <laughs> bouncing along and he just looks like he's having the absolute time of his life. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's just got eccentric clothes on, which could be meant to be clown clothes. Clown clothes, yeah. Or just uh, eccentric Pink and blue clothes. striped top. Mm. Uh, orange trousers with silver spots and red and green striped shoes and then the soles of the shoes are like (laughs) on big springs and he's just he's just absolutely (laughs) loving it yeah Dr. Robotnik springs into more action says the caption oh no Dr. Robotnik (laughs) springs into more action I don't know he just looks like he is He's having a day off. It doesn't look like there's nefarious intent. <laughs> no, he's living his absolute best life. What he's done there is he's got past... what Because when you take over and enslave a planet, when you first thought of that, it was because you imagined yourself then having a nice time after it. <laughs> and this is what he's doing. He's reached that point. He's got to the zenith of his career. And he's like, brilliant. I'm finally here. I get to dress up in silly clothes and spring around on spring shoes. And that's what he wanted. And now, uh, maybe he'll give up now. He, Mobius back to the people now that he's been able to do that. Just a madbird! Just a page of adverts! Brief mention for the page of adverts in between this and the next strip. It's a repeat of a page we've seen before with an advert for Monster Munch Tazos on the bottom and the Knuckles Knockout Special on the top, which has now got the corrected date of uh, having been on sale the 25th of <laughs> May. So that's three whole months. Mm. Is it really still going to be on shelves at this point? If that's the question, it's surely not. Like, even if even if it technically still had a shelf life, they'll have sold out of it by now, wouldn't they? Yeah. It, or is this a desperate grab for attention? Maybe nobody wanted it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, surely it, wouldn't, not. it wouldn't be Fleetway's concern. They've sold the copies to the newsagents at this point. <laughs> it's the newsagent's problem now. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And that can't be... Surely you'd buy a Knuckles magazine in the summer of 1996. Come on. I mean, when else would you? Yes. Summer 1995, probably. And summer 2022 as well. If they haven't got some kind of Sonic the Movie 2-based summer special on the shelves right now, they are missing a trick, and I haven't seen one. Mm, I don't think they do, but, I mean, they did make that prequel special, IDW did, which seems, like, tailor-made to be reprinted in a slightly larger page format for the UK and don't have to worry about it, yeah. And that would... uh, I know my bias, but that seems like it would be a better format for it in the first place, like... I, I, it does. It seems weird to me whenever there's like a, a preview tie-in with a film, but it's relegated to the one corner of a niche comic shop when it should be on the newsagent stands for the kids. 
Completely, completely. I mean, that seems like the whole, that's the whole vibe from the IDW stuff, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know if they do sell it in other places in America. I don't know. I wonder. They should do. I mean, the, the IDW Sonic stuff seems like something that should really be being reprinted for a UK yes. supermarket yes. market. David, get it printed. <laughs> Tales. Trooper Trouble. Part 1. Thought this was going to be a standalone, but no, a part 1. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Carl Flint, colours by Gina Hart, and letters by Tom Frame. Word of a trooper badnik extorting tax money out of the locals of the Wood Village Zone brings tales to investigate. He discovers that the trooper is actually the local nerd, Clive, getting revenge on the villagers for bullying him with a badnik suit. Unfortunately, Clive's antics have caught the attention of a garrison of real troopers who capture him and tails both. I enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was good fun. I knew I was going to enjoy it uh, on page two when <laughs> when yeah. when the little dog's wife said the most UK comics line possible. Why don't you stand up to him, George? You're becoming as useless as Clive, the village wimp. <laughs> the village wimp. And at that point, you can figure out where the story's going. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then he's like, don't, don't, don't worry, Mildred. I have the situation in hand. So, of course, that means they're George and Mildred. Yes. Oh, so, yes. Yeah, so they total are. Total loose stringer. Oh, of course they are. Little British town stuff, you know. Yeah. The, the, all loose stringer supporting character Mobians talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> they just do. I've got my contacts, you know. I've put the word out on the street about that trooper bothering our village. No doubt Sonic or Shirt Fuse the Cybernic will be arriving to help us any moment now. Oh, George, you're so clever. They look out a window. It's Tails. Oh, well, I suppose he'll do. I like that. I like that. I like that Stringer is writing stories in which Tails is a competent and capable hero <laughs> yeah. who is earning his victories, not stumbling into them through like mistakes and things like we've seen in past yeah. stories. But also, everyone does still think of him as Sonic's kind of dopey sidekick. Yeah. That's good. I like that. That's the kind of story they should have been telling. Yes, it's settled in, hasn't it? It has. Now, the only problem content-wise, podcast-wise is that, once again, what we have here is a neat little competent story that doesn't warrant much commentary, really. It's no. just something that sort of happens. I mean, there are it's... bits I like. Oh, yeah. The trooper just runs from Tails and is like, Keep away from me! And then Tails just gives him a good hard belt and it <laughs> shatters into pieces and there's this dopey donkey inside. Yes. I'm Clive the Donkey! Most people in my village think I'm a real wimp because of my interest in technology instead of sport. Hey, hey, I I know, that right. comment. As to get on the podcast, Clive. <laughs> <laughs> Turn this guy into our mascot. <laughs> yeah. Though I don't think I would ever disguise myself as a robot to teach someone a lesson and steal their tax money. No, I don't think so. Cl- the village wimp. Like it's a, like every village has a designated wimp. It's a job. It's like the village idiot. It's a job. I mean, he doesn't identify himself as that. No, he doesn't. But he, he doesn't own no. being the village wimp. He doesn't no. think he's the village wimp at all. I, and it's interesting that you would expect that it would be the sort of local bullies to think of him as the village wimp instead of this, this little old couple who live there. Yeah. But no, that's what he is. Tail sympathises, though. He knows what he says. I know what it's like being picked on. Yeah. That's good. 
but what you did was dangerous and dishonest. You could have gotten in big trouble. And uh, then the troopers, who Clive had run into earlier, come over the hill, charging towards them. I love this trooper general that we got here. Yeah. Big, fat badnik. It's just a regular badnik in the very simplified way that uh, Carl Flint draws them. But it's a big, fat one with a <laughs> scar and a monocle. And a monocle. So this badnik absolutely <laughs> yeah. has the Frankenstein voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quickly, before the fox takes flight, fire the vip vip one. And they just shoot a big net over him. Yeah. This seems to be happening to me a lot lately, says Teals, who has been tied up quite a lot lately. <laughs> Resistance is useless. You are our prisoners. No sense of humour, corny dialogue. Yeah, they're real troopers, all right. Worse luck. <laughs> Next issue, Destination Citadel Robotnik. So the simple fact that this one turned out to have significantly more stakes than I was expecting, because uh-huh. I hear a title like Trooper Trouble. Yeah. I'm expecting a five-page goof around like yeah. we've had the last couple of issues. Nope, little more stakes, little more of an idea going on here. Don't know that Clive is necessarily going to go down as one of the great STC original inventions. <laughs> He's no Fabian Vane, is he? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't run into Fabian yet. <laughs> that sound effect where Tails hits the trooper, Clive. Whammo! <laughs> I didn't notice that. You see how his individual fingers all fly off too? Where? Where, where? Oh, yeah. The panel. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, the little, he's got little finger thimbles over his fingers and they all pop off. <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just flipping back through the pages. You know, I've just noticed there on the couple's house on George and Mildred's house, mm-hmm. they've got dog paw print pattern carpets. Oh, wow. And on their wall, they've got a rosette that says best of breed. Oh! <laughs> and their, their, their curtains have bones on. <laughs> oh, I wonder what year they were best of breed. That's when they were young, wasn't it? That's when they were young and had ambition, Mildred. <laughs> yeah, you know, he looks oh. over at it just to remind himself of the good old days every once in a while when he returns home from the office. <laughs> what do we think these odd, knobbly, sticky-uppy things on his slippers are? Uh, poofy bits, just. Little, little, poofy little... bits. Poofy bits, yeah, little, little... Well, it's like where you would sometimes get a pom-pom on a, on a slipper. Yeah, and... pom-pom, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, but, but these uh, these seem taller than that. They seem... Well, yeah, but she's a poodle with a big poofy tall bit. So her slippers are a big oh, poofy tall bit. Oh, so. my God, you're right. It's like her hair. <gasps> yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant work. There's something... Right. There's something a little bit... AI generator about the art in this strip I think it's like the the shapes are sort of smudging off in interesting directions that you don't necessarily feel are fully under control but yeah I don't know. It's it's now that I know it's got that level of detail in it, I'm far more on board. It's just what it's it's becoming weirder to me that they waited until now to give Carl Flint such a regular interior gig mm. when artistically he does feel like he belongs to the earlier days of the comic. He, uh, he's more left field, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not getting down on him. He does actually have a pretty strong grasp of, of Sonic character proportions. Mm. He just rarely draws any of the other characters to them. <laughs> his techno mm. was a great success, you know. Oh, that was his, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he Well, I don't know if... I, presumably Lou designed techno in the same way we know that he designed short fuse. Yes, but, probably. Um, but he drew techno well she looked like a three heads tall sonic character oh i was gonna say the reason why i was not piecing it together is because this has got a different colorist mm, gina hart on the color too. so it's got quite a different style i mean flint always tends to look the best when he has a different colorist mm-hmm. 
I think, based on the the last uh, couple of times we've seen him. Yeah. But yeah, I thought this was going to be a one-parter and just a bit of japes. Turns out there's a few more stakes to it than that. Wouldn't be surprised if next issue was the last part of it. You know, a little mm-hmm. simple two-parter. But uh, yeah, no, wound up enjoying it more than I expected to. We'll see what happens next. Q-Zone. 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 Ryan Mitchell from Todd Morden in Lancashire is having trouble getting the Chaos Emeralds, and uh, David Gibbon just uh, lies, says says mm. things that aren't true. Is that right? What, what, what's what's which <laughs> Well, he says the easiest way to complete the whole game and collect the Emeralds is to cheat. Follow the instructions collecting the jewels, no longer be a problem. So it's the old trick. You get an Emerald, reset the game, and then just keep doing it we'll like that. Doing. You go into... And now he's, he's saying to do it by going into the Green Hill, getting 50 rings, finishing the act, and doing the special stage that way. Of course, you can just do the level select seat and get it that way too. Uh-huh. But whatever way the Mega Drive, whatever way the game was set up, when you reset the... You know this as well yeah. as I do. Whenever you reset the game, your Emerald Count stayed in the ROM... And uh, and you could just go into the special stage or play Green Hill Act One and go into the special stage at the end of it, and your the emeralds you'd collected previously would be already collected, and you could rack up all the emeralds quick and easy by doing that over and over in quick succession. Yeah. Uh, but I I got Sonic out to check to make sure the thing that he says here that that is wrong. Okay. Which is that you can then use the level select to reach the last stage, and once you've completed that level, you finish the game. Nah, no? that doesn't work. Oh. The emeralds don't stay in your memory if you go anywhere other than Green Hill Act One. You don't really? get the en- no, you don't get the proper ending. Oh, if you jump to the last level, as David Gibbon is saying to do here. Oh, well, that's a very odd thing then, because it wouldn't occur to me as if I was in the David Gibbon position here. It wouldn't occur to me to also make them skip to the end of the game. So he didn't ask how to finish the game. He just no, wanted no, he the just chaos emerald. Yeah. So yeah. why is he? Why is he telling him to do that? David Gibbon doesn't know there's a different ending, obviously. Uh. John Jobling from Glasgow in Scotland is having trouble beating the Robotnik Green Hill boss. John? Come on, John. (laughs) Be serious, John. This might not be the franchise for you, John. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The first boss, John. Now, uh, now, straight up, I had trouble with, like, I was never able to beat it in the cool cool dude way that people knew how to oh, yeah. do. Bang, 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 before he even gets the ball done. Yeah, and I, I wasn't able to do that. I, I wasn't even able to really, like, time my jumps. I always got hit by the swinging ball. Yeah. But I could do it. Like, I could yeah, I could beat the ball. Beat him, like, yeah. yeah. And then some extra tips round us out with the old one. If you finish an act in under 30 seconds, you get an extra 50,000 points. Mm. Of course, you can only do that in Green Hill. And uh, the debug cheat makes Sonic invulnerable. Is that true? I didn't check that one. I didn't think it was, no. Enter the cheat and play the game as usual. Then if you have no rings, you won't die even if you get hurt. That doesn't sound right. I didn't think that was right. Uh, What I do remember is, like, last minute before I get hit by something, I'd turn into something. Sure. But, no, I don't think so. Doesn't sound right. Next issue, Sonic 2, part one. So we'll see if what they have to give us there is any better. Yes. But it did mean I spent Saturday morning busting out Sonic 1 and playing all the special stages. So I was like, yeah, yeah. this is a good use of my time. <laughs> Compo! Compo! 
win a bunch of Muncher, Muncher gear. gear. Right. Hey, you see, I'm not insane. No. I am right, and you should listen to me. You're absolutely right. Well, do you? I highlighted it in the episode when you said that you were sure he's called Muncher. I put in the quote of them saying Muncher in the original ad to back mm, you yes. up. Yes, he's called Muncher, but here it is in uh, pink and white. <laughs> Oh, look, they've broken out the old uh, Speedline's background, or Review's own background, or whatever it was. Yeah, I think so. It's the old swirlies. Yeah. How would you like to join in with Chewit's jaw-moving celebrations? Um, hmm. As they're positively drooling over their fruity range of flavoured chews, <laughs> blackcurrant, fruit salad, ice cream, orange, and strawberry, never a fan of the ice cream ones. Oh, I'm getting a memory now. Perhaps I had ice oh. cream-flavoured Chewit's. Seems cheeky of them to have fruit salad flavour chewits, because fruit salad, that's a kind of sweet. That's a Bassett thing, yeah. yeah. Nice one as well. They've given STC 150 t-shirts and 50 baseball caps, each one featuring the Chewits Monster Muncher, Muncher mascot. mascot. And he's doing that, it's that piece of clip art that we yes. saw in the previous contest, where it's Muncher, or, I mean, I suppose it's not really Muncher, is it? but whatever it is, it's the... But he's doing that thing from the adverts at the time, the newsreader-style dragon monster puppets, where they have to hold the top and bottom of their head while they chew to stop their head just going mad. <laughs> you must do it before you chew it. I didn't understand your comment there that, well, it's not Muncher, is it? Why, why not? I suppose it might be Muncher in the image, but Muncher's not in the ads, is he? They're all newsreaders and scientists and things of the same species as Muncher. Oh, I, I just took them all to be Muncher. Muncher ones. Yeah, I see. So you're saying Muncher is the one guy. Oh, it's like a Pokemon. They're all Muncher. I guess I was thinking of it like Yoshi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're all Yoshi, and then the one that we know, he's called Yoshi. Yes. <laughs> if you'd like to sport some Chewit's fruity gear, simply answer the following question. Which Sega puzzle game features a hungry pack of animals and includes chomping sound effects? Clue. The answer's been mentioned in this issue. Of course, it's Baku Baku. First 200 names selected at random. Nothing to add to the spreadsheet, unfortunately. No. Will win either oh. a Muncher cap or a Muncher t-shirt. No preference can be stated. If it wasn't for the bit about the answer being mentioned in this issue, I would think this entire page was written by the Chewitz people. Because... Yeah. It's all executive talk. It's like their fruity range of flavoured chews. It's like, <laughs> yeah. we know what they are. They're sweets. Shut up. Their range of fruit-flavoured chews. But then I suppose as soon as you've got ice cream in there, they're not fruit-flavoured anymore anymore. You can't. So you could call it a fruity range oh, of yeah. flavoured chews. Mm. It's, it, all it's lacking is the word products. <laughs> the Chewitz brand has achieved deep penetration in the social sphere. <laughs> Oh, by the way, I feel it's worth pointing out that they've actually, and it's been a while, they've printed the word compo at the top of this page. Oh, to yeah. Compo, compo. They've printed it twice with different orientations to make sure we know it is a compo. Exclamation mark. Well, this one actually is Chewitz based as well, because remember before yes. it was just it was a pocket television. There wasn't anything actually yes. Chewitz related about That's it. Right, Chewitz were yeah. just doing it. Whereas at least this is Chewitz branded swag. Yes. But where are the sweets? Hey, we are just give me a year supply of Chewitz. Why doesn't it even say fifty runners up get a packet of Chewitz? Well, that come on. That's probably a bit limp. You need some kind of quantity. I guess, but like, okay. Ten runners-up get ten packs of Chewits each, say, something like that. Uh, you know? Chewits multi-pack. I'm sure packs yeah. of five, five packs of Chewits in yeah. one big pack. 
Yeah. I just want Chewitz. Let me go and yeah. buy some Chewitz after this. I you right. You know how a couple of issues ago I said I wasn't sure I'd ever had Chewitz. I you recall. Said you definitely have because they came free in SDC. Yeah. In that case, that's the last time I've had Chewitz. I could not tell you when I last had a Chewitz. Maybe I last had a Chewit. Oh, I don't know. In my teens, potentially. I've not had Chewits for so long that I can't swear to you right now that they still exist. That I know they exist. I saw them in B&M the other day. I wonder if they exist in any format other than sour or zingy. That, yeah, that's it. They're just going to be a gimmick flavor now. Chewits. Here's what one reason why I wasn't that into Chewits. They had the same you had opal fruits. Kind of. Or frutella. Kind of. They had the same problem. And I was a Frutella man, but they had the same problem that Frutella had. But Frutella had a solution to the same problem. Chewitz, as with most Frutella, came in single flavour packets. Uh. Who wants that? But Frutella, you could get the packet where they have all the flavours in. So that's what I'm going for. If you, I'm not going up to, to the news station. I'm just buying a pack of strawberry flavour Frutella. Nor am I buying a pack of, let's see... Blackcurrant flavour chewits. Jog on, give me a pack of sweets. I mean, many people do, and it's completely normal. Yes, but I find it deranged. Why would you do You're that? You're the man who actively prefers a version of fruit pastels with less flavours in. That's a point. If you don't like... Mm, I, I sp- right, here's where I am. If there was a flavour that I loved so much because it was a bit weird. So I think I would happily buy a pack entirely made up of, like, the pear flavour Frutella. Because they're a bit weird. They're the yeah, weird flavour. Yeah. They're the outlier. You don't get a lot of pear chews. No. What flavour... So, so, in this case, fruit salad, yeah. I'd probably buy the fruit salad flavour. Or maybe the ice cream flavour. But not black currant And a whole pack you've got of that, then. Or in... I'm like this with pears. Oh, yeah. Or oh, the taste <laughs> sensation of pears, yeah. Are you having a go? Oh, it, you having a go at Pez? Chalk with a hint of orange oil dropped in it, like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll defend the cherry ones. Of course, with my you life. bloody well. Sounds like you. But the rest of them, yeah. Uh, oh, they make, they make a nice fizzy flavour to Pez. They're quite. Cherry nice. is an American flavour. It's lovely. I, it is an American flavour, but it's so nice. They're, the thing about America is they're right about a couple of things, and one and of them one is of cherry flavour. And another one is grape flavour. But they no, find grape. Blackcurrant is infinitely superior to grape. Oh, get lost. They think grape is so boring, and I think blackcurrant is so boring, I would happily... I will... I would, right now, take a pen, stab it in my finger, and in blood write a contract that means I get to swap with an American who finds grape and cherry flavour sweets boring. They can have my blackcurrant stuff. Because they don't have blackcurrant there. No, they have grape instead. Yeah. Do you know why? I don't know why. It's because blackcurrant was illegal there. What? Until, like living memory until the 80s or something why black currants were outlawed in america in the early 1900s so not until living memory i guess because they spread a fungus that kills white pine trees and as a result they've just not got it as a flavor it's just not part of their culture they haven't got it to still now, they haven't got black currant. Flavor. Tragic, really. You're allowed to. It, you can have it. It's legal now. They got to suffer through grape and watermelon and cherry. So you just said three amazing flavors. You only think they're t- amazing because they were from the foreign land. You may be partly right there because I'm not thinking of them as Americans. I'm eating them. No, but they are 
They're what you get in packs of American sweets. Those are the flavors you find in them. I, I like a pack of American sweets. I've got some gobstoppers right here. Look at that. Cherry and grape flavor and apple flavor. Apple flavor sweets. Lovely. That's a British flavor. It's a British flavor, but you tend not to get them. In, do you know what I mean? Like in Skittles. We have a weird preoccupation with lime over apple. Exactly. Green here, and that's wrong. We should have apple flavor instead of lime. Exactly. Well, I'm like this. Okay, here's the thing. Your standard pack of opal fruits flavors. Yellow, lemon. Mm -hmm. Green, lime. Red, strawberry. Purple, blackcurrant. Orange, orange. Do they even have green strawbursts anymore? Oh, maybe not anymore, but you used to. Mm. Those are, to me, bog standard. Those are the baseline. Dull flavors. That's like vanilla. That's like the vanilla for, for sweets. And remember that I came up at a time when they were doing tropical opal fruits, American flavor pastels. I, I like weird side flavors. I like the sour variations of things. I like that stuff. So yeah, gimme all your watermelon, your grape. Your cherry. Gimme, gim, gim, gimme, gim, gim, gim. I love Give those flavors. Give me your teeming masses yearning <laughs> to be free. And I, uh, Chris, I was talking about an American. I'll do it with you. If we could do a thing now where you get to have boring flavors like blackcurrant for the rest of your life and I get to have all this cool, lovely stuff like cherry and take them away from you so you never have to worry about those flavors again, I'd do it. I would, do, I would throw myself in front of that bullet for you, Chris. Throw yourself on that sword, on that spike. <laughs> yes because it's a friend thing to do i would be prepared to i mean make i was eating some fizzy haribo oh. sticks last oh. night you know and there was a cherry sticks. flavor in them and i had it <gasps> quite happily you know the cherry mawam <gasps> give that to me on a drip like, i don't mind it you understand it's just the <laughs> worst version of whatever the red sweet is oh my god no i'd have a cherry over a strawberry any you day and by now weirdo and I'm speaking as someone who their whole childhood was like, give me the strawberry flavor of everything. Strawberry, strawberry, strawberry. That's why you overloaded. It might be. It actually might be. I think of it as a bit sickly now, but a cherry that's got that extra little zing to it. Ooh. Ooh. I, oh, I'll make an exception, though. Strawberry cheesecake flavor jelly bellies. Ooh, yeah. Don't oh, yes. Don't believe I've that. had those. I don't go for jelly beans often. Have some jelly bellies for yourself. They're lovely. Well, the current rate of going will be finished in time for me to go out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do it. Sonic's World. Scream Theme Park. I feel like that's... That, that needs another go, that name. That's good enough, Scream Theme Park. Yeah, it's not much of anything, is it? Scream Park. Scream Park, do. yeah. Scream Theme Park. Written... <clears throat> Scream Theme Park, written Ooh. by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona, Corona, colors by John M. Burns, letters by Tom Frame. Short Fuse pays a visit to the Casino Night Zone to check out Max Gamble's new Pit Plunge roller coaster and soon learns that the ride is delivering Mobians right into a badnik processing plant. Short Fuse trashes the place and rescues everyone, and while he can't prove Gamble is directly involved, he at least wrecks the ride, so at least the slimy lizard can't make any more money off it. <laughs> and this is more the sort of thing we were talking about. <laughs> Harmless fluff. Yeah. This happens. Made more interesting by the fact it's Short Fuse and Max Gamble. Yes. Max Gamble looking 
so much better now than he did in that Teal story. He's looking so much better that I can't conjure an image of what he used to look like at all. Yeah. Can you give me a some kind of a memory jog? It's like he stepped in from another comic. He was hideously mm. over-detailed and realistic. <laughs> right. He's got a little hat now, too. Didn't have a little hat before. Big, expressive lizard eyes now. It's the little squinty, angry eyes he had before. Right. That explains it, because I think of him as looking much more like a lizard now. Oh, yes. He's almost like a snake, the way they've drawn his head. He's got a, His whole head is hmm. protruding outwards, whereas he looked like a Goomba. That's what I should be saying to you. You look like oh, a Goomba. Oh, God, right, okay. Story from the live-action Mario Bros. I have now found... Yes, I've now found on the Sonic fandom wiki an image of the Max Gamble from the first issue. And yes, oh, it's... God, it's nothing like this. It's almost like he's... Kingpin, but green. Yeah. And he's just got this dome for a head. And he was built there, yeah. too, where he's much more sleeket and slimy looking in this one. Yeah, like yeah. Spindly and, yeah. Small and slim and slithery. He looks like a huckster now, hmm. instead of a crime boss, yes. which is what he looked. You called him a kingpin there, yeah. I mean, he was introduced as a casino boss, so okay. it didn't. It wasn't ill-fitting. But here he's manually operating his own roller coaster, looking to make a few bucks by, yeah. you know, selling victims. Victims into Dr. Robotnik's Badnik processing plant. Seems much more slimy and huckstery now. Yes, he's a chancer, he's a wheeler dealer. Yeah, and this look fits much better with a, like a, a big loud pinstripe suit, bow tie, fedora on him. Well, it's more of a pork pie than a fedora, I suppose. Little hat, little hat. Anyway. <laughs> Fistful of dollars. And what he's done is he's opened the roller coaster Oblivion from Alton Towers, which wouldn't exist for another few years yet. Did it go down? It goes down into the round pit, and then a little poof of steam comes out. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's the one. Do you remember the advert? Don't look down. Like The, Rings the guy would go, don't look down, and it drops. It's the first vertical drop roller coaster, and it went into uh, this hole. okay. Don't look down. First vertical drop roller coaster at Alton Towers. Anyway, it looks a lot like this. Yeah, this leads you down into it. Interesting that it doesn't just like roller coast you into a badnik machine. You, you, it stops at the bottom and everybody gets out. Yeah, yeah, it stops. Then you get taken off. Yeah. And it's like, what does what does everybody around at the other end think? When the cars come back empty, what's going on there? And I thought that that would be because there was going to be a long time when, like, you know, there needed to be time for short views to go down and get them. And that kind of is what happens, but like, I don't know, I feel like he could have just popped them out of Badniks and taken them back to the surface as easily as this. But anyway. Uh, that's Coco the monkey. Where am I looking? The one monkey who's just Coco the monkey. Oh, look at him. Look at his big head. Oh, gosh. He's just, just him. He look. He lives in a tree. Uh, uh, I can't remember the next line of the song. Uh, <laughs> selling condoms for the 59p, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Well, we had a lengthy discussion about Cocoa Pops and all that. Turns out he is not the mascot for Cocoa Krispies, they're called. Over. They're not even called Choco Krispies oh, okay. like we thought they were because they changed the name over here briefly. No, they're called Cocoa Krispies and he's not the mascot over there. They briefly what? used him as a mascot for a couple of years back when. Yeah. And he even had the same voice. The same voice, yeah. yeah. I was trying to remember if we got that far in the podcast or not because I certainly found that out. But yeah. Say, like, that's right, in the podcast we were going, oh, I'm sure he's like, hey, I'm Goku the monkey or whatever, but no. Hey, what do you want, some of my Goku bubbles? What's wrong with you? Of course you do. Come on, you know. But no, 
What are you talking? You're so skinny. Come on. I'm throwing in the milk chocolatey over here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was uh, it was the same voice. Oh, I'm Coco the Monkey. What, you saying there's something wrong with him? What, you don't want him? <laughs> I forgot about it. F*** you, whatever. <laughs> Plenty of kids that want my chocolatey cereal. But yeah. Okay, anyway. Might have gone off the topic there a little. So what is the mascot for Coco Crip? Uh, I think it's Snap, Crackle, and Pop, but what? because they're because they're Rice Krispies, but just the chocolatey. Version. Well, we know that, but it's got a monkey. Yeah, but they're not marketed that way, are they? In the same way that the Ricicle was just the Frosty of the Rice Krispie, <laughs> but it had, it had its yeah. own mascot. You yeah, know? a spaceman, a you, monkey. You, like we don't. There's no different mascot for uh, what did they do? Remember what did they do to? They did something to Frosties at one point. They honey nut roasted them or something at one point. It was still Tony because they were still Frosties. Uh, but uh, anyway, this is not a cereal based strip, so let's move on from that. I can't. Hang on. I was just gonna. Okay. Say, I was just gonna say no, but that that made me think that yeah, that was a time when it wasn't actually usual to have product you know, but different version back then. Do you know what I mean? So when so when yes, they made. Product you know, Rice Krispies, but with chocolate. Product you know, Rice Krispies, but with sugar. In those days, you treated it like a completely different thing, made a new mascot. Case in point, someone unearthed the old primal memory on Twitter during the edit of this episode that McVitie's chocolate digestives used to be treated as a completely different biscuit from digestives called home wheat. Huh. Now you'd just be like, here's Snap, Crackle and Pop, but they're dressed in brown because it's chocolate. Or right, yeah, or whatever, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, yeah, but it's, we were already into that by the 90s. You know, remember yeah. Shreddies and now New Frosted Shreddies. Mm. All just in the same breath, you know. And they were New Frosted Shreddies for years and years <laughs> and years. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're chatting about cereal because there's not much to say about this, is there? There isn't. Um, this is the epitome of... Something that I think we said we'd noticed happening just recently, may have even have been last issue, where like the comic may have pivoted to the back end of it being like for younger readers. It's just something simple. It's I don't think it's a younger readers thing. I think no. it's just a bit of fluff. It's just uh, inconsequential. It's not necessarily for younger readers. I mean, it's still it's still an actiony, explodey, zippity zappy kind of comic, you know. Short Fuse is doing he's shooting lasers, blowing up badniks. He stops the Mobians from being turned into badniks by simply manually tearing the power cable in two. Great panel yeah. where the electricity arcs off yeah. his metal body as he tears the cable in half. You're right there. So why do I read this as being for younger readers? I think it's just because it's unconcerned with and wholly disconnected from any kind of ongoing continuity that might be happening and it's it's just yeah this issue we've got five pages of something happening and even with tales it's a two-parter but nothing's gonna happen you know nothing's gonna happen yeah well that's that's true yeah uh but as we were saying just last issue mm. the status quo change that heroes and villains will bring upon the comic will give shape and form to the back end of the comic yes so this is just where we are now. We, we've talked, you know, we have. how essentially since Return of Chaotix ended, uh -huh. and then with the end of, like, Revolution being the... With, you know, with Return of Chaotix being the end of Kitching's big stories, then Revolution a couple of issues ago being the end of Stringer's big stories, the comic's in a sort of an in-between point. Mm. It's spent a lot of this year so far finding out where it's going to go next. Mm. 
Speaking of next, I like the box at the end of this one. The end, but for white knuckle thrills without the danger, visit Sega World. I mean, that's my question. Was this written to be a Sega World tie-in strip? Was it written to be a theme park-based strip Mm. purely so they could do a little Sega World cross-promotion like that? Was that the idea behind the story? Maybe, yeah. Or indeed, was that... Could that be the origin of the cover? Was it meant for the one where they talk about Sega World and then that turned out to be the summer special? Mm. I I do like how Corona's drawn Max Gamble. Look at that one where where Short Fuse comes flying back in, carrying the roller coaster with all the saved Mobians in it and his hat does a little (laughs) boing off the top of his head with shock. And it almost looks like it's spinning round as well because it's got a kind of a tornado boing marked out under it. That's lovely. Yeah, I love the drawings in this one great yeah i really like corona i, I, I want to read a lot of corona yeah. strips i remember liking the background characters in that sneaker based tail strip he did last issue and there's some more of them in this one like first page second panel the couple who get in the the car with their little dot eyes and simple line mouths and noses very adorable oh, yes look at them yeah and when short short fuse is in a cloak for most of the strip before he dramatically whips it off to reveal it's him and uh, one of the Trooper Badniks in the plants is like, It's the Super Badnik traitor, Short Fuse the Cybernik. And it's like, yeah, for all the new readers at home, that's his deal. <laughs> yeah. And undercut by him saying, Yeah, well spotted, Bucket Bunce. Nice. My armor's the strongest Robotniks ever created. It's every issue, it's like, this is his deal, yeah. you know. And that's, you know, that's fair, because he's not from the games. Yeah. Explain his setup. Don't take him as red as being a standard part of this universe. And Stringer doesn't. He knows he has yeah. to explain who his OC do not steal is every time he introduces him, because he's not a standard part of this universe. That's true. It's something he put in it. That's true, but I think a more elegant... It, it becomes tiresome, and I think a more elegant way of doing it would be, instead of it being Sonic's world, if it was... Short fuse, the cybernick, badnick, gone rogue. Yeah, yeah. You Put know? a little box across the top of the short fuse strip yeah. that tells you his origin, like Marvel used to have yeah, yeah. back in the 90s. He was once. Shorty the squirrel, hot-tempered Emerald Hill resident. Yeah. But when he was caught in a badnick, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Now he is. Stanley presents short fuse, <laughs> the cybernick. Boys. <laughs> Boing splat honk. Dear Megadroid, says Boomer Kaija from Saltburn in Cleveland, Tyne and Weir. Uh, this is the first time I have used email, <laughs> as my parents have recently bought me a PC. Mm-hmm. Wow. As your comic is by far the best, I thought I'd send you a letter through the computer instead of risking hand <laughs> I like the cut of this one's jib. <laughs> Uh, Megadroid says, no joke, Kaija, uh, K-A-I-J-A, Kaija, Kaija, maybe. You'll spend endless hours edutaining, that's a tech term for education entertainment packages, <laughs> yourself. Make sure you catch the special Sega PC Games news feature coming soon. Okay, then. Good old, look forward to that. Tales you win, dear STC. The, re- <laughs> the legend returns. The re- do you know? And I didn't spot that. So here's here's how here's what I went through when I read this. Yeah, dear STC, the recent tales stories are great. What took you so long? And I went, oh, Chris will agree with that, and I agree with that. Yeah, and you know who else would agree with that? And my eyes just slid down, it's, and it's yep, Sarah Rose from Worsley, Manchester. The legend returns to finally say something nice. <laughs> yeah, but only because she got her way. Because it was she was right. 
She was right all along. This deserved to happen. We've got to get her on the podcast. <laughs> Sarah, where are you? By the way, since we've already had Sonic and Knuckles specials this year, how about a Tails special too? Okay, she was overreaching there. Not uh, not <laughs> everything she ever said was right. Yes. Megadroid replies, credit to Scriptium Stringer for telling Tails so well. Hey, Sarah. Yeah. Telling right. Tails, do you get it? Telling Tails, tales, the joke. Tell Tails is a joke. Tell Tails. Joke, do you get it? And also... Crediting Lou Stringer for yes. having nailed it, as nobody else quite could. I mean, it's the fact that they even identify, like, yeah, he's the one that did this, absolutely. Mm. It's not just because mm. his name is on the most recent Tail Strip or whatever. He actively changed how the whole comic treated Tails. Yeah. Last letter here is from Stuart Jackman in Carterton. He says, Me and my friend Kevin were wondering what kind of toothpaste Vector the Chaotix Crocodile uses. His teeth must be able to survive an attack from anything. And Megadroid replies, Well, Stu and Kev, I suspect it's due to his handy, travel-sized ultra-bite toothpaste. Is that supposed to be like ultra-bright? Is that a thing? Ultra-bright for um, ultra-bright shine? Ultra. And, 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 and the ultra-bite because he bites things? Is that is that a reference? Is it a joke? <sighs> it's never good when you have to know. ask, is it a joke, is it? Yeah, I don't know. We've got one piece of fan art. Uh, just one, because the other picture, this episode, is a photograph. We've got a piece of uh, art, uh, fan art from Yunsik Kim of Morden Surrey, and it is of, well... It's hard. It looks like it's Knuckles in a dodgem? Yeah, I think so, but the dodgem... Is on maybe, lasers? Yeah, I think it's a laser dodgem that's flying. Also, he looks like he might be sort of DJing or something. Or podcasting. He's got a microphone in front oh, of him and a pair of headphones on. But then he's also holding his arm, and he's holding up, um, is it a mallet? Uh, the trouble is, this looks cropped. Uh, yeah. So there's any number of extra details we don't know about that might shine some light on this. But I think what he's got is a mallet. But on top of this mallet is perched a little little parrot little, or little, lizard or something. A little gremlin of some kind, yeah. It's some sort of a little guy. I, I feel like I should know who he is because I recognize him, but I couldn't tell you um. why. Unless it's just that he looks a bit like the parrot from Goblins 3 on the Amiga, which I don't suspect it is. And then, then above, above all of this, that, yeah, is is just this purple thing sticking out? It's some kind of a thing. It's almost like just from the bit that we can see, it almost looks like the strap of a purple watch that Tails is on, and he's blowing Blow raspberries. A big raspberry, big, a big, a very well drawn raspberry. Actually, I think I love the expression. Yes. He's, he's properly going. <laughs> He's really furious at whoever he's blowing that at. It, it, it's part of me wonders if this isn't Yunsik Kim, but Jess Padkin, and that this is a Garfield in some way. <laughs> it, it it seems so like they've taken an existing thing and drawn Sonic characters into it. Almost. Yes, uh, yes. There's going just so on? much going on. Yeah, the thing that Tails is perched on, and we can't see who he's blowing a raspberry at because that's cropped out. But it has this sort of dangly down thing. That's got like a watch. That has got a watch on the. It area. looks like a watch. Yeah, it looks like there's clock hands on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yunzik, what's happening here? What on Tell earth us. is that about? Not a clue. And it's not your fault. This is clearly a very good drawing of whatever it's of. It's the cropping that's the problem. Well, you know, it, it may make no more sense when you can see the rest of it. It could be just as confusing to look at. True, but so the concept of Knuckles being in a flying laser dodgem. That's a wild idea, but I would comprehend it. I want to yeah. know what's going on at the top. What's he yeah, holding? Yeah, what's yeah. happening? What is going on there? Mm. <laughs> the other 
image, as you said, is a photograph, mm. not a picture, sent in by Christopher and Simon Everett from Guy Hearn in Cambridgeshire. Uh, it's a sonic cuddly toy mm-hmm. on his summer holidays. Yes. It looks like they've taken a sonic toy away from him. It's a sonic cuddly toy with a cap on, a pair yep. of sunglasses. Yeah. Looks like swimming trunks, is it? I think so. And they say Onic on them, so I guess they're Sonic brand swimming trunks. Oh, I guess they are. He's got a glass of Coke, looks like, and a bottle yeah. of sun cream just yeah. next to him. And all of this is balanced on a beach towel. Yeah. Well, a towel. Sonic caught sunning himself in Fuerteventura, Canary Islands. Do you know? Ooh, that's very specific. That's incredibly specific location, given that it's from Christopher and Simon Everett of Guy and Cambridgeshire. That's where they went on holiday, obviously. They know where they went. Oh, my dad I told see. them where they so went. they've written it in. Okay, right. Yeah. Do you know what? This has unlocked a memory for me. Mm. I believe... I dressed up my Sonic cuddly toy Bless. in something, and I, but yeah, but here's the thing, bless, yes, but I didn't dress it up in it for bless reasons. <laughs> it was where I kept cynical, hard-edged reasons. Yeah, no, it was just where I kept something. Like maybe that was what I kept my cap on was Sonic, or maybe even a pair of shorts or something. I don't know what. I can't remember now. I think I did this. I think I kept probably my Coca-Cola baseball hat was kept mm. on Sonic as its canon resting place. <laughs> yes, we do. We have a couple of things. It's John Manners. It's John Manners. It's John Manners. We've got a voice email from a Richard Smith, and he is going to describe... How he has fulfilled a prophecy that we have made. Oh, all right. There was an issue long ago where we speculated, wouldn't it be interesting if a certain thing had happened? And that very thing happened to Richard Smith to do with Sonic the Comic. Take it away, Richard. Hi, Dave and Chris. I've been following along with Sonic the Comic, the podcast. I discovered it recently and I'm trying desperately to get caught up. It's been an absolute joy to reminisce about my childhood in 1990s Britain, particularly because some of the memories that I have of Sonic the Comic are just so very vivid. For instance, you know that issue where they mistakenly identified a Wolfenstein 3D screenshot as being from the uh, Mega Drive port of cannon fodder on the Amiga? Ah, those letters from Old Fash and uh, Son of Old Fash, those are just burned into my memory. Mm. It was so formative on my young seven, eight-year-old sense of humour. Frankly, it was a lot better than most of the other video game mags at the time, because they were mostly aimed at teens, and they featured a lot of very rude and suggestive language that my parents didn't approve of. (laughs) They did. Mine had no idea what they had in them. I also was a huge fan of Red Dwarf, and I still am. And just wanted to mention, I love all of Dave's little asides that are referencing the Crimson Short one. Very much appreciated. Anyway, I am writing because I just listened to your review of episode... No, not episode, issue 37. And I was a little taken aback when I heard my name read out loud during the Speedline segment. And I thought, was this letter from me? Or was it from another Richard Smith? My name is common enough that, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. could have been another Richard Smith. I couldn't recall getting published in Sonic the Comic. Could be from some other part of the country. You guys didn't mention the address when you read it out. So I was like, hmm, I wonder. Oh, whoops, whoops. Our bad. And as I sat there thinking about it, I remembered that as a kid, I had gotten a Sonic Water Fun game in the post. And I didn't really understand why I'd received it. 
Um, I did enter a lot of contests from magazines at the time. So at the time, I sort of figured, oh, okay, I must have won a contest. Way lucky me. Fantastic. And I got my Water Fun game and played with it, and it was fun. But now I'm curious. So I go onto the web and I have a look at a scan of issue 37. And lo and behold, there it is. That is my letter. It's got my name. It's got my hometown. Good <laughs> God. And it's got my obnoxious little question about Megadroid's use of the word Hume. Yeah, that was me. I must have missed this issue at the newsagent or something. Otherwise, I mean, I would have remembered getting published if I'd seen that magazine. Yeah. I know you're way past issue 37 at this point, but I just wanted to write in, let you know that you've reconnected me with an element of my past that I wasn't even familiar with myself, and you've cleared up a little mystery in my personal history. So uh, thank you so much for that. Thank you for everything you guys do. Um, love the podcast. Love everything about it. Keep going. Keep on rocking. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that we did speculate? Imagine if someone got a water fun game. Sent a letter in but never knew, yeah. Never found out why. And it that turns out to be true. Wow. And that person listened to our and podcast found out, and yeah. sent on the yeah, the confluence of events that has Fantastic. to happen for that. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much for your correspondence yeah. on that one, Richard. Look at that. <laughs> Crossing yeah. time with this stuff. Brilliant. We've got one here from Jolene Blake. Oh, friend of the show friend. and designer of our first logo. Exactly, yes, we both know Jolene. Hello, Dave and Chris. Long-time listener, first-time caller, not counting all the times I've needled you on Twitter about things you said on the show. Mm -hmm. I am currently working my way through the early RBR era of the comic. Obviously, I didn't read it as a kid, because I was born after most of it came out. Oh, that's right, she's a moat. Yeah, she's a youngin'. A speck of dust on the breeze, so small that she can't be viewed with the naked eye. Because I was born after most of it came out, perhaps that makes me, pause for effect, oh, this is quite good, a baby boomer. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> that's going in the lexicon. Yes, although it may, oh, it, it's difficult because that's what the generation boomer is short for anyway, is baby boomer. Yeah, yeah, but we'll pronounce it in a certain way. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be a baby boomer. I recently submitted a question to Ian Flynn's Bumblecast, pointing out that Johnny and... Oh, st stirring here, I think, is the word. <laughs> oh boy, right. That Johnny and Porker technically originate in the US Sonic Bible and thus should be fair game for a comeback in the IDW comics. That's Fair true. point, isn't it? That's Sega You're property. Right. So many people think of things that got famous through STC, mm. like Kintabor mm. and Johnny mm. and Porker, mm. as exclusively STC things. And if you say something like, oh yeah, Dr. Robotnik's real name is Dr. Kintabor, people go, um, only in, in, in Fleetway. <laughs> no! Only, first of all, only in everything that was over here, first of all. It's not just one comic yep. in some country you'd never heard yep. of. It was everything, mate. It was everything. And also, Americans came up with it. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Ian responded that theoretically they should be Sega property, but noted that it was possible that they wouldn't be able to use their characterizations from STC. Sure. He wondered whether UK Sonic fans would be interested in a Johnny and Porker comeback if their personalities had to be wholly reinvented. As a pair of bona fide, crusty old Sonic fans, I was curious as to how you'd feel on the matter. 
Keep up the great podcast, Jolene Blake at Lesbianautica. Born too early to explore the stars and too late to be a Mega Drive owner or Sonic Water Fun Game winner. <laughs> well, Johnny didn't have a personality, so he's fair game to, to do whatever with. You, you'd never notice, would you? Exactly, yeah. And Porker, well, I think I. Well, I am of a fandom that's well used to having its characters reinvented yeah, anyway. Yeah. Transformers. So so I, I think I'd probably be fairly open to it. But um I think Ian's probably simply wrong in his thinking there because we've seen the consistency of characterization of them across the Martin Adams novels and other things too. Yes, Porker was always the boffin in those. Always the boffin, yeah. Um, which of course makes him entirely redundant in IDW because Tails is yes, the well, boffin. That, well that's it, isn't it? Yes. What what do you do with uh, You've got to focus on the cowardly aspect, and that that does seem like it's maybe more yeah. of an STC thing. Yeah. Although, 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 oh, although, oh, oh, oh. there's some variation of the Bible says that in the the version that explains what all the different friends taught Sonic to do. You know, Johnny taught him to run fast. Sally taught him to jump. Porker taught him to be afraid of fire. Oh. In one draft of the Bible, if I'm remembering correctly, that's a very weird thing to have to teach someone to be. Well, they're animals. You know, you got to learn to fear it. You don't know because yeah. so much of this is from that weird early piss because they weren't sure if they were, you know, what what they were. Were they animals? Were they people? What were they? <laughs> Keen-eared listeners will have noticed just there that Chris stated that, quote, so much of this is from that early piss. Ordinarily, this sort of statement comes with an explanation or correction that allows me to edit it in such a way that there's never any confusion. Not in this case, so we'll simply have to speculate what piss he was referring to. At any rate, one of the earlier pisses. Because so much of this is from that weird early piss because they weren't sure if they were, you know, what, what they were. Were they animals? Were they people? What were they? <laughs> So I think that's probably where the more timid characterization of Porker derived from. But yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But with without true access to the actual Bible that we know that from James Wallace talking to us, he had that's different yes. to the version of Stasonic and the version that's online, uh, we'll never know for sure really what, what characterizations originated where. No. But I'd like to see them again one way or t'other. I think I could get on with it. Yes, it'd be nice. Like the fact that I can't imagine a scenario where they would become main characters, but yeah. seeing as there's a lot of travelling from town to outpost in IDW. I don't see why there shouldn't be Johnny and Porker living in one of them. It, I would like it just purely for what it would represent. Yeah. In fact, oh wait, wouldn't it be nice if they were old and they were like old guard Aww. guys, you know? Meet them in the town and they're these old, they've decided to join the freedom fight and they're old. It'd be nice. Oh, we used to fight back in the old days. Yeah. Back when Sonic was 15. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jolene signs off with a PS, which is basically in agreement with us. She says, personally, I'd be fine with at least one of the two being reinvented because Johnny didn't have a personality in the first. Yep, there you go. Yep. <laughs> I am starting to get one, mind you. And it's starting to seep through, but it's the goody one. You know, he's the stand-up one. Yeah, I mean, well, that's it. It's like that profile in the summer specials. What did it, I can't, I literally, literally... Literally cannot remember a single word it used to describe his personality, no. but whatever it was, it said it was that mm. he's the goody. He's the goody. He's the, he's a nice bloke, and he has a stick. That's just his thing. Yeah. 
And before we leave that one there, we've got to mention that last weekend, that is at time of release, so if you're listening to this when we bring the episode out, last actual weekend was TF Nation, the friendliest convention I am aware of, ostensibly all about those changey robots, so Chris can be found there striding around with his thumbs in various pies and getting pulled about by them. Meanwhile, Abby is bouncing around all happy, and I also go there because even though I can't tell one robot from another, it's basically just a big box of mates. And one of those mates is Jolene, who sent in the letter we've just read, and who sent in the first logo we used on our website and Twitter back when the podcast was young. Well, this weekend, she brought us mugs of that logo. So thank you, Jolene. They are great. We love them. And next time we make STCTP-related video, for the Patreon or otherwise, you guys are all going to see our silly mugs. <laughs> and you'll see! And that's everything that's in our mailbag. If you'd like to be in it, then send your emails or your voice recordings to stctpodcast at gmail.com. Next issue, the heroes and villains conclusion. And they've got a piece of Elson Sonic art here, pulled out of the comic itself, not from the cover. And it's Sonic uh, weaving in amongst some laser beams mm. coming from somewhere. Is Supersonic shooting them? Who knows? And it says... Laser, laser round with laser sonic laser around. Around. There'd be no lasing around. You'd be back to school. Yeah, no well, time yeah. for lasing around. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> laser, laser around. Laser yeah. around. New Sonic's World Story, Future Shock. Knuckles, Conclusion, Village of the Damned. Tails, Super Trooper Trouble. Ooh, super. Mm. Sonic 2, Q-Zone Revisited. Plus, Soccer Zone. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be one of them again. Uh, soccer Zone kicking artwork. Uh, oh, no, I've just seen what's... A crab meat badnik pen-up sh- badnik pen-ups are back. And a Saturn review, Slam and Jam 96. That sounds suspiciously sport-based. No, 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 no. You slam the bread in the toaster and then you put jam on it. It's about having toast. Oh, yeah, okay, get on with that. Yeah, yeah it, sounds like, it sounds like more of a DS game, but yeah. <laughs> STC 86, on sale Wednesday the 4th of September 1996, £1.20. As we close issue number 85, we also close the number of issues, the number of episodes I'll be doing when I can still say I was in my 30s. Oh, condolences, Chris. Oh, join us. I'll be joining you up there in the 4-0 club as of tomorrow, the day after this episode's recorded. It's fine. It's exactly the same. We've already completely descended into whingy dadness. It's fine. Yeah, oh, we started there. Descended. (laughs) Started there. (laughs) Ain't nothing but a number. Yeah. Unless you leave this length of pause after saying that, at which point it sounds like a breakdown. Well, if you'd like to join us breaking down more issues of Sonic the Comic, you can find every new episode on our website at stctp.zone or most places good podcasts are available as well. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at... Sonic Podcast, or you can find us there individually. I am at Demon Tomato Dave. Nah, I'm really looking for the blap. And if you like any of this, support it, please. Support it. We need your help. It is patreon.com forward slash stctp, and there you will find videos where we go through the Martin Adams novels. We tell you what those are all about, and we go through the execrable fanfic that I wrote. And I. Well, at least you're being honest about it. No. When I was a child. I feel like it will never actually end, and I will <laughs> never know the sweet release of death. 
and neither will Sonic the Hedgehog. So if you want to see Sonic die eventually, then you will want to tune into that. Our theme song was synchronized. That's by a band called Sonic the Comic. You can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. But we're a podcast called Sonic the Comic, the podcast, and we will see you next next time. Tails, is that me? Am I Tails? I am Tails. You must be, yeah.